Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the show where we're all about connecting. And today we're connecting with the co-founder of Happiful, Amy Maunders. I think as a culture we've been taught not to sit with our uncomfortable feelings and I think if as a culture we'd been taught from an early age that it's okay to have those feelings and it's okay to sit with discomfort then we might be more open to getting the help that we need. Happiful, as you know, has been supporting this series of Happy Place. So sitting down with one of its founders gave me a real understanding about what they've achieved in destigmatizing mental health. And Amy's own journey does not disappoint. If you want to discover their counseling directory and their thriving community of life coaches, hypnotherapists, nutritionists too, they can all be found through the Happiful app, along with peer support groups, expert articles and digital copies of all magazines to date. Just head to happiful.com slash happy place or download the free Happiful app on Google Play or through the Apple App Store today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, let's do it. Come on, here's the show. doing i'm really good thank you how are you oh i'm well i'm i'm so glad that we could have this chat today it's wonderful to have you guys at happiful uh, magazine on board with the podcast i think everybody can really kind of understand why we'd work well together it seems like a yeah. perfect fit for both of us so i'm so yeah. happy that we're that we're getting to do this yeah me too really happy you and your sister emma have mm. built this beautiful empire now which enables many people to get help they need, information, resources. It's, it's just kind of a wonderful web of, of knowledge for others. And I know that for both of you, it was built on the foundations of sort of very personal experience of your own mm. mental health problems. And that yeah. starts from when you were kids, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, really young, yeah. So how old would you have been? And, and when, I guess... I'd love to sort of understand, you know, how, how you felt at the time, because this is obviously a much newer conversation that we've been having nationally and globally yeah. talking about mental health. So what did that look like for you as kids? Okay, so for me, the first time I noticed that there was something not quite right, I was 11 and I just started secondary school. I'd come from a school where I didn't have many friends coming with me and I sort of joined in with this new group and I experienced a bit of bullying in year seven um, and it wasn't enough for me to be, you know, really taken by it, but it was enough for it to affect me. And it triggered me into a whole episode of OCD. 
you know, this wasn't probably the first experience of anxiety. I'd had smaller things happen with small um, thoughts and even a few ticks when I was really young. But it was the first time that I actually started to think, okay, you know, what is this? Why am I having these feelings? Why am I having to do these things? And it was like a a checking thing, having to do things a certain number of times. And when I look back and reflect on it, I can see that I was trying to keep my life the same. I was mm. trying to prevent change, trying to prevent more of this, you know, this behavior from coming my way. And it did get sorted out quickly, the bullying. And my mum sort of came into the school. It did get resolved. But the OCD then became the, the sort of driver of my life. And I would say throughout the whole of secondary school. So... I was 11 until I was about 17. It was quite a big part of my life. And before the age of 14, I had absolutely no idea what it was or mm. what, what I was doing. You know, I couldn't stop it, but I had no idea what I was doing. When I was 14, we got the internet at home. <laughs> and I looked up, you know, some of the behaviours that I was doing. And I came across, I think it was just mentalhealth.org or something like that, and found this page on OCD. And the relief that I felt mm. when I saw, okay, this isn't just me. This is actually something that lots of people do. And just, you know, it was an instant ah, moment of, okay, there's something I can do about this. this. This doesn't have to be my whole life. So as a kid, it was quite scary and daunting. Um, and it was quite a big part of my life, I have to admit. Well, having two years without having any inkling as to what's going on in your own mind. and Yeah. There was no one to talk to either. I mean, did you did you no. reach out to friends or your parents even? Or did you just feel like this is absolutely not something I can talk about? No, I'm quite a private person generally. And that's I've been like that since I was really little. So this was just mine. Uh, I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't I didn't want my parents to know. And I think that's the nature of OCD is it's it it, it wants you to keep it a secret. It's how it keeps yeah. going. So it was very secretive. Um, I did everything. It almost became sly. Um, to try and do things without my parents noticing. And it just wasn't something... I thought that there was something quite wrong at the time and I didn't want anyone to know about it. Um, and I didn't actually tell anyone. The first person I told was my husband. <laughs> I met him really? when I... Yeah, I met him when I was 18. Wow. Um, and I was... I know, We'd only met, known each other for a few months, but we had a good relationship and it was just something that I felt like I really wanted to share with him. Um, and when I told him and his response was, oh, OK, you know, it wasn't anything. It didn't change his mind about our relationship. It kind of gave me the confidence to think, OK, this is something that I can talk about. And mm. shortly afterwards, I spoke to my parents about it. And Emma and I then had the conversation. But by that point, we'd already had the idea for the business. <laughs> wow. and, and so did you know what your sister was going through? You know, how did her mental no. suffering manifest? Was it, was it OCD as well? Did she ha have something else going on for her? So, you know, she's got her own story to tell. Um, but yes, it was, I'd say we had a similar uh, story in, in that sense. And, you know, it wasn't until we both started talking about like oh okay you've been going through that I've been going through this you know we didn't speak to each other about it but we've actually already set up um, these ideas for this business and it's come from that um, so it was quite a surprise but actually it was also lovely to be able to just be open about it and that whole chapter of our lives to then be you know acceptable and out in the family so it was it was quite a moment to share that isn't yeah. it 
such a shame that I think with probably all mental illness, there mm. is that side that does feel full of obviously worry, concern, mm. but also shame. And it's something yeah. that I've certainly experienced myself. And that is probably one of the the most dangerous elements of it because then you Definitely. don't speak out and you don't talk. And also you start to probably isolate even more because you mm-hmm. you can't imagine that anybody else could have the same thing going on. I yeah. certainly felt like that about panic attacks later down the line in life, but certainly earlier on for me, my own sort of, uh, I guess, way of trying to control a life that felt quite chaotic at the time mm. was bulimia. And I wouldn't have dared say anything to anyone it took me you know years and years to be able to sort of talk about that openly and I still yeah. feel highly uncomfortable talking about it now in in some respects but it's such a shame because as you've just articulated there you know as soon as you spoke to your sister but also mm. your husband being like the yeah. first person you spoke to and knowing that you're not going to be rejected you're yeah. not going to be told there's something wrong with you that you're a freak all the things that I've certainly worried about mm. that is just the biggest dose of comfort and Definitely. and also the great side of the internet you know I'm I think we're of a similarish age yeah. and the internet arriving did give us the opportunity to to sort of explore that subject without having to talk to anyone. Definitely. And, and that is the core concept of our whole business. Yeah. Because we didn't want to go, you know, even having told our parents, as, as young people, we didn't want to go and speak to our family GP. We didn't want to go somewhere where there wasn't that confidential aspect. So the idea for counselling directory came from Emma's own experience and it was her who had the idea to set up somewhere online where you could just go on find someone that could help you and go and do it privately without having to let anyone know that was that whole confidentiality aspect around it for people who weren't able to speak to their partner or speak to their sister you know and that's where the whole concept of the business started from it was where can we get where where can we find a counsellor without having to go through you know that that usual process and I think also the the brilliant thing about counseling directory and what you do is giving people a bit of agency over who Mm. they end up speaking to because I'm sure you'll agree that it's a pretty terrifying thing to talk to an outsider about your innermost you know demons and thoughts and feelings um for the first time it's a really scary and at times unimaginable thing to be doing so did you actually did you find a counsellor before you set up the business or did you set up the business and then start <laughs> counselling how, how did that work okay so we set up the business we were pretty young so I was only 19 when we started that when we actually officially registered the business um, Emma was 21 and we went through about eight years of the business what before seeing a counsellor <laughs> yeah no way <laughs> The irony is amazing. I know, but I was so young and I didn't, the thing is I, with the business, so Emma was very much the brains behind the business. It was her idea. You know, she was very into the psychological side, the content. I was very much the creative side. So I came from a graphics design background. I very quickly fell into computer programming and development because that's what we needed. It was just the two of us and my husband, who is also a computer programmer or was um he helped me find my way with that and I built all of the initial websites wow. and all the platforms and Emma was very much the marketing the business development you know we had very separate roles within the business so 
I stayed out of that side of things quite a lot at the beginning and I was very mm. much in my own little creative bubble, you know, designing, developing, creating what our members wanted, creating what our customers wanted. And so work became a huge focus uh, and a way for us to kind of go into that striving and creating and it kind of took our minds off everything for a long time. So although I think got- it does, doesn't mm. it? Often like if you have something creative that you're buzzing about, yeah. yeah. I think not necessarily that it's a, a long-term cure or remedy, but I think it is helpful to have something that anchors you, anchors you in, in that way. Definitely. So before we carry on, because I'm so interested in this mm-hmm. whole journey, is so wonderful. For people that don't know about Counselling Directory, just explain yeah. to us you know, how it works. And I know you've obviously got other directories now to find nutritionists yeah. and hypnotherapists. If you could just sort of talk us through how a user might find your, your directories and then find the right person for them. Yeah, so if you go to any search engine and type in counselling, we'll usually come up pretty near the top. And it's counsellingdirectory.org.uk. If you just put in your postcode, we will show you. We've got uh, 17,000 counsellors listed now and over 12,000 are doing online at the moment. So there's still availability for that. So you just type in your postcode or your area and we'll show you all of them, all the counsellors listed in order from where you are. So the ones closest to you. One of the biggest benefits at the time, so if you think it was 2005 when we launched the website, there was nothing else around at the time that could show you extra information about a counsellor. And when you're, like you said, when you're going to see a counsellor and you're divulging your innermost secrets, you know, you kind of want to know that that person is somebody that you're going to be connected to and somebody that you want to see. So that was the whole purpose of the directory was to show not only a profile picture so you could actually see who you were going to go and visit, but also, you know, where did they train? What qualifications do they have? Who are they as a person and what are they offering? You know, what is there a certain thing that you're looking for? You're looking for help with anxiety, with depression. So their profile pages are designed to show you everything you might need to know and see if they will, will fit. And really, I think it's a feeling, you know, when you look at that profile and you see that person and everything that they've given you about themselves, it's a feeling. And that I, I'll explain later about my counsellor and how I found her. But it definitely was a feeling of, yes, this person, I want to go and see this person. So it very much started with the profiles. They were the centre, you know, the, the hub of the site. And as we've grown, we've added on lots of new things. So we have articles that our members write for us. Uh, they're able to advertise events and workshops that they're running uh, we've now got our own podcast, so thank you very much for your interview. Oh, it was um, so lovely doing that. I <laughs> so good. enjoyed it. I love listening to it. <laughs> uh, so there's now all these other aspects of the site as well. Um, in, you know, the members have got their own area where they can log in. And it's really just a whole site dedicated to helping you find that support that you need. Um, you know, because it's great. You, you can go to the doctor, you can get it on the NHS, but there's such a waiting list and the sessions are usually restricted to about six or so. So it's just an, it's just a way of, if you really need that support, it's just a way of finding it and being able to get it straight away. You know, you can start next week with some people if you want to. Mm, yeah. It's it's so, so important. So, so going back, you're in this wonderful creative bubble, yeah. you and your sister are buzzing about this new idea. You know there's a need for it. You know people are gonna are gonna use this and, and yeah. want this service that you've come up with. There's nothing else like it out there. Mm. So you're you're busying yourself. Are you still at this point experiencing OCD? Not in the same way. So I think once I shared it, 
it became less, mm. uh, ironically, which was fab. But actually, it kind of moved on to other things in my life. So it it was less about checking and trying to keep things the same. I became more concerned about my uh, about food actually I kind of attached it to a new thing uh, which is often what happens when you don't resolve the core issues so I attached it to new things I became very um, very work focused I would be up until all hours of the morning you know it was it was it was a pleasure to do it was a joy but it was also very um, almost manic at times it made mm. me it is I, I was thriving um, but I enjoyed it but I attached it to these other things so I'd become obsessive in other ways uh, so it wasn't so much about checking or keeping life the same it was much more about I have to do things really really well I have to be a certain way it became it just it sort of flowed out into other areas of my life but it was more manageable it wasn't such big part of like it was my childhood it was a big part it became less and I enjoyed life it wasn't you know it wasn't too overwhelming I had a lovely partner um, a really great business that we were making um, had good friends and I have got a lovely family so I think all of those things made it manageable and did you realize that it had morphed into something else at the time though no no again it's very often the case isn't it I think you know I've had that where that I haven't actually, and I st- I'm still going through that now where, you know, mm. I'm not like problem free and all mental mm. health issues are resolved, but I think <laughs> you do often see them. Mine will kind of Later. switch from being insomnia at one point and then, you know, work obsessed another or yeah. being a perfectionist or whatever, but they all yeah. kind of feed back to the same place of unrest yeah. or whatever, whatever yeah. you're trying to deal with. And I was exactly the same. And the date that that changed was when I gave birth to my daughter. No way. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't change in a, oh, happy days, I'm all cured kind of way. It changed in a, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet kind of way. <laughs> so so what, what, tell me, what happened? So what, what, was, the, what was the sort of impetus mm. for that change? So I had a wonderful pregnancy. I was so excited to be pregnant. And I had a really easy pregnancy. Um, to a little bit too easy, some might say. Lucky you. <laughs> I know. And then when she was born, I had a very long labor and it was, I didn't sleep for a very long time. Uh, I came out of it feeling quite traumatized and I had all sorts of troubles with breastfeeding. And at the time, you know, I'm in a very, I'm in a place where I haven't done any work on myself. I don't know who I am and I'm listening to the midwives and I'm feeling a lot of pressure to be able to breastfeed and I physically couldn't do it. Um, I experienced some medical complications weeks down the line. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel like I wanted it to feel. It didn't feel like I expected being a mother would feel. You know, it took me a while to actually realize, again, I was in it. I was very much in it. And, you know, doing the things that you do as a new mother, taking the baby out for a walk and dressing the baby and being at home with the baby. And I'd come from being the owner of a business and somebody who ran a business I took a month off before she was born and all of a sudden the sense of responsibility that came with this new baby just absolutely overwhelmed me and I found it very difficult to sleep for the first few weeks I would say I had very little sleep and I think that caused quite a few reactions in me Um, it wasn't and I carried on you know, I carried on as, as I'd always done, carried on, pushed through. 
was the best mother I could be at the time. Um, I enjoyed my little girl and she's, you know, she was a wonderful baby. But it got to about nine months uh, down the line and I thought, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't how I'm supposed to feel. This is so much more than being a mother. This is like my whole life's, you know, anxiety compounded into this moment. So I went on to counselling directory and I, I did. <laughs> I went on to counselling directory and I searched and I was instantly attracted to one of the counsellors near to me. And she was able to start seeing me within the next week. And I worked with her for about five months every week. I went to see her. And after five months, I felt like a new woman. I felt, I I wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I had much more to go. But for what I needed at the time, I was able to become the mother that I knew I wanted to be and to have the relationship with my child that I wanted to have. So the thing I loved about my counsellor as well, she never diagnosed me with anything. You know, it was just me and her. It was our relationship. And she understood me, you know, and she does understand me, I'm sure, better than anyone else. But she was able to give me something that I'd never had before. And it was life changing. And is that just someone listening to you? Is that just being heard? Because, you know, up Mm. until this point, you've told your husband about some of what's going on but I'm sure not all of it so to actually sit I mean you must have had a lot of stuff to go through with her and I've been in this position before where I've started with a new counsellor or therapist and you do have to delve back and go there and you know relay a bit of your life history and and what's been going on you know how how did that feel to actually put it all out there for the first time because sometimes you feel like you're actually admitting it to yourself because you're committing to it by saying it rather than just sort of ruminating on it the whole time Definitely. And I think this was the first time I've, I've, you know, this is not what I've been used to doing in my life. I've come from a very practical background, you know, um, a family who has encouraged us to to do well and support ourselves, you know, a, a usual English British family and emotions is something that's been very difficult for me and feelings. And it's not something that I was very used to expressing. So to be able to sit in front of somebody and you know she didn't try to give me advice she didn't try to tell me what to do she just gave me herself her whole self and it took me a while um, to be able to go through all the things I started off you know with some of the easier things you know younger you know relationships and things like that and gradually towards the end I went into some of the more uncomfortable things and it did take a while to really get out and express everything I want and I think the difference is when you're sitting across from somebody who has no agenda other than for you to do what you need to do it allows you to do what you need to do and they're not going to judge you there's no judgment I think that's always the wonderful thing about speaking to someone that's completely impartial and not in your life already is that they're not going to link it to something you've experienced together or yeah or even they're not going to make, you know, they're not even going to make it anything to do with them, yeah. which I think a friend or family member probably would it, it within with, with great intent, you know, oh, I understand, I felt like that. Whereas I think counsellors yeah. and therapists, you know, their job is just to listen and to pose questions to you to kind of help mm. bring those feelings and stories out. And I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I've, I've 
you know, sort of mixed and matched with different therapists and counsellors over the years. <laughs> and I really enjoy that experience now. I'm, I'm quite used to sort of going there and, and digging deep. But often um, something completely new and random will come up. I had not... Yeah. It hadn't been on, you know, my agenda to talk about it on that occasion. It hadn't even been something I thought was worrying me. But I think the beauty is having someone that listens and can see that there's something else afoot and and they have the the ability and the skill to bring that to the surface. And that's something that Definitely. we as individuals might not even be capable of doing, you know, ourselves, even though we know our backstory, we know our history. It's yeah. I think that outside perspective is so um important. Yeah. And I think what you said there about the agenda as well, in the earlier sessions, I did go there with some kind of agenda of what I would speak about. And I've actually been back to see the same counsellor three times. So in different chunks, different transitions throughout my life. And now when I go to a counselling session, I don't take an Mm. agenda because I know that what will come up in that session will be the best thing. If I go in with a plan thing that my conscious mind wants to talk about, it often doesn't allow some of the deeper issues to come forward so that's I really try hard uh, not to take any kind of agenda with me I think that's such good advice I think you know when you perhaps first start a relationship with a counsellor or therapist you do feel like you might need to be a bit organized Mm. and go in there with some notes or something that you feel is the big problem but you know they're so good at their jobs you don't really need to you just need to be willing to be honest and to talk and and to sort of go there which is scary and I think also if you do have um the propensity to be a bit of a a control freak which I certainly am I feel like I want to be in control in those moments but I think the most um impactful sessions are where like you say you go without an agenda Mm. you feel a bit vulnerable Mm -hmm. you free fall a little bit but you're (laughs) in great hands and you're guided by someone amazing I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. So so this counsellor is someone you've stuck with and, and do you yeah. still see them today? I don't at the moment, but I did recently. So I, I went, I actually got, uh, after I finished those first five months, I got pregnant with my second daughter and that experience was completely different. It was, it was, you know, it was, it was very nurturing. It was, it was much quicker and it was just a much calmer, easier experience. Um, but again, about 10 months after she was born, I started to have feelings of feeling disconnected from myself. I went, I went back to see the same lady, I stayed with her for about six months. And it was during that six months that I felt the biggest shifts and the biggest changes. And I felt like I came out of that um, a new person, to be fair. Mm, um, wow. at, at the same time, I'd started looking at other aspects. So I had started meditating. I'd started going to a yoga class. And, you know, that's not something I'd ever really been into before. But it just, as I was becoming more self-aware and understanding my own journey a bit and being able to sit with these uncomfortable feelings, I started to look for other things outside of the sessions that would help me. And all of that sort of combined together just created this new way of being this new perspective on life I've gone from yeah I think often it's a bit of a combination isn't it I mean I don't know about you but I've 
I don't think I can ever rely on one thing to um, keep me on the straight and narrow mentally. I think it is often the case. And it's not got to be, you know, stuff that you're always professionally seeking, but it could be going for a nice walk every other day and making that your time. Or it could be drawing or, you know, something that is just very simple or always cooking something amazing for yourself. Or if it is just having a good diet, I think it's a little puzzle that you can put together to work out. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. And that's why what you do is great because you've got the different directories where you can explore what works for you. Because it might not be a counsellor. It might be a hypnotherapist or a nutritionist or whatever. And I think you have to find your own little bespoke setup, don't you? Yes, definitely. And having some kind of daily practice. Yeah, having like a little self-care toolbox that you go to whenever you need it. Uh, which is primarily what the, you know, our whole business is designed to give you, especially Happiful. Um, you know, we kind of moved away from having a professional that can help you into all of these articles and resources and people talking about things you can do to help yourself. And that's, you know, what Happiful brings to our business. And that's what our app brings to the business. It's just such a way for you to say, okay, yes, the counsellors are there, the hypnotherapists are there, but actually... I can do a lot of it myself by having the tools and mm. the resources. That's what we, that, that was the purpose of Happiful and what we try to bring to the business. No, oh, you, you've certainly done yeah. that. And I mean, this year especially mm. has been <laughs> utterly bizarre <laughs> for so many reasons and so intense. And, you know, I speak to uh, on a WhatsApp group, my oldest group of friends who are, you know, my sort of closest friends still from school. And, and I think everybody's, sort of struggled in a certain way and and people in my life that have never experienced anxiety or never experienced insomnia and now feeling the effects because we're all trying to subconsciously process so much and digest so much and also we're all slightly on edge you know waiting to see well what does the future hold Mm. or or how will this unfurl further and and job anxiety for certain people and whatnot so I think you know it's it's really important that we do have these resources and that we can educate ourselves and find interesting things to read about and learn about and also the wonderful thing about um therapy at the moment in this bizarre situation of being in this sort of lockdown slash not lockdown slash whatever it is is being able to do counseling online because you know I like to go and do certain things face to face but obviously we haven't been able to but I've been doing breath coach sessions online Mm -hmm. and some therapy online yeah and actually, it's made everything a bit easier because I'm not having to schlep into London or yep. get stressed about, oh, God, who's going to look after the kids? You know, is my husband going to be at home? Whatever. I can pop up here. You know, Jesse will be downstairs with the kids or whatever. Get on my laptop. And then yeah. I walk downstairs and I'm instantly finished and back with my family. So I think for people that have felt nervous before, this is perhaps quite a good time to step into trying counselling for the first time. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And I think, you know, there's a lot... If you turn on the news, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of sadness and, you know, you can see it all going on around you. But actually, it, it also provides a really great opportunity to pause and to reflect on life. And like what you just said, you know, finding those things, whether it's counselling, whether it's starting a new yoga class online. And actually, we do have we have a bit more time, some of us, not everybody, because some people are still working and have, you know, important jobs to do. But for the rest of us that are at home working, it kind of yeah gives us that little bit more time to not have so much of a gap between family life work life it's finding those little hours of the day isn't it where it's time Mm. where you can just do it for you and also honoring 
that you are allowed to have time for yourself and yeah, actually I it's struggle important. with that one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's like so boring it's like one of my Achilles heels like why am I not sorted with this shit I constantly think I don't mm. deserve this I shouldn't give myself the time I need to work harder I need to be a better mum like I'm always so hard mm. on myself which I think a lot of people are and probably yeah. especially women yeah in you know the roles that we're in where we're trying to be a really hands-on parent but also a lot of us work not everybody but yeah. some people are yeah. and but we're all trying to juggle stuff and I think we're very hard on ourselves and I know that's still one of my biggest problems my husband has to say go and ring whoever it is that I know is going to you know, give me an hour of their time to sit and chat yeah. or do a Zoom or whatever. Go and do it. And he has to basically force me, even though I know it works. <laughs> or like last night, I was feeling really flat and weird and I ended up actually doing the meditation that was on the Happy Place Festival schedule at half eight. And I felt completely different after doing it. But I had to yeah. sort of allow myself, like, you deserve this. You deserve yeah. to have that time. And I think many people struggle with that. It's such an unlearning, isn't it? Oh, because God, yeah. we've, we've grown up and been, you know, in this society where it's all about doing and it's mm. all about striving and it's all about being perfect in whatever that is. And, and, and one of the processes of counselling and this journey is it's a whole unlearning, unlearning everything that you have watched and seen and listened to and actually working out, well, what does that mean for me? Mm. What do I think about that? Mm. You know, why, why am I not being kinder to myself? And so that, again, is one of the the big bonuses of going to see a counsellor because I think you get to uncover a lot of those things. What do you think the tipping point is? You know, having been someone that was mm -hmm. wary about going to see a counsellor and actually saying these feelings out loud, <laughs> speaking your mind and saying, this is me at the moment and this is what's happening. Yeah. You know, what, what do you think should be the tipping point for people to go, actually, I can't keep trying on my own anymore. I need outside help. I think it's such a shame because the perception we have in this country is that you go to a counsellor when you're in kind of crisis yeah. mode. So if you need to get it free through the, G through the GP, then you have to, you know, you have to set quite a case for yourself in order to get it for free. And in order to see a private counsellor, you have to have money. So there's this whole gap where actually it's not offered, it's not available. And I think it, for me, I went to see a counsellor because I was in a place of turmoil. But actually now I choose to go back to see my counsellor when I'm aware of a transition coming up or I'm aware that something may change in my life. And I think that it's not, counselling is not um, a crisis point. Yeah. There are there are helplines for that. Counselling is one of the best self-development tools that you could ever put yourself through. If you give yourself the time and you have the money to be able to go and see a private counsellor, it is the biggest way to understand who you are, what you want, what your needs are and how to express them to other people. Mm. And I think before I went to see my counsellor, I didn't know how to do any of that. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted. I thought I did, but actually my needs are very different now after having my children and taking a step back from the business my needs are very different to what they were before and you know I did say that I changed as a person in my counselling and I would recommend it to anyone and mm. everyone I think if every 16 year old got to speak to a a good counsellor you know for a good you know six week period even longer if possible it would transform the society of the future. Well this is it and I, I do <laughs> think we have quite a uh a warped or perhaps mm. uh, 
old fashioned view of therapy or counseling because like you say either it's used as a complete SOS and I've done that before I've gone I'll get to absolute breaking point before I see somebody (laughs) and I have done that previously but if it is something that you've chosen to do regularly it can be seen as something that's a bit like oh well you know it's all right for you you know choosing to do that because I think some people do feel like perhaps they don't deserve it going back to that feeling but also I think when you spend money on something, people, I guess, want to know, mm-hmm. well, what, what is it that you're getting? Because it's, it's, it's seemingly fine to go and get completely pissed on a Friday night and spend <laughs> 50 quid. But, yeah. but then when it's seen as being spent on a therapist, it's seen perhaps as something that's frivolous or, or, or yeah. luxurious. But actually, I think it's probably, if you are, you know, not everybody out there is, is having a tough time and struggling. But if you, if you know you are, it, it perhaps should be a priority. Definitely. I think as a culture, we've been taught not to sit with our uncomfortable feelings and to kind of push them away. And I think if as a culture, we'd been taught from an early age that it's okay to have those feelings and it's okay to sit with discomfort and to not feel good all the time and not feel happy all the time because that's not life, then we might be more open to these conversations and to getting the help that we need. Mm. I mean, I've I've got you know, well, happy place is called happy place. I've got a book called happy. I use the word happy a lot, but I feel exactly the same as you who has a magazine called Happiful. Happiness (laughs) isn't this sort of final destination that I think we often, and I think this comes from uh, the world of marketing, which is Mm. really, you know, not great. But in the last, I guess, probably under a hundred years, I don't know, maybe 60 years or whatever, you know, when advertising got really focused on telling huge groups of people if you do this buy this aim for this you will be happy you know everything looks all happy in this advert or wonderful in this advert and and we have sort of been indoctrinated by that way of thinking very subconsciously and I think most of us and we'll still we could sort of slip into this way of thinking for a few minutes of a day it hasn't got to be you know perpetually your way of thinking but we assume that once you've done that once you've got that out the way once you've achieved this once you've found this partner once you've bought these shoes whatever there will be this sort of omnipresent happiness but of course Mm. it's not like that It, it comes and goes and it's something that undulates and something that you know could come out of the blue when you're not expecting it, but also could land there when you completely are expecting it. And and I wonder what your relationship with that has been. You know, did you have um, a sort of a, a different view of happiness before you started counselling? Yes. So the happiness that I felt was very, um, it was related to something. So I was happy because I was able to afford a new car or I was happy because I was able to go out with my friends. You know, it was related to something tangible and physical. And I think the word happy for me changed into into the word peace. So when I was going through my counseling, actually, if you'd asked me what I wanted any more than anything else, it was peace in my mind. That's what I I want that. I want peace. I haven't got peace here at the moment. I want peace. I know. And I think that, yes, it's lovely to feel happy. And those moments of happiness that you experience, you know, with your children and, you know, those are real happy moments. And happiness is such a lovely thing in life. But actually, I think if you asked anyone and they really thought about what they wanted, I think it would be peace mm. in their mind, you know, because when you feel peace, everything's OK. It, you know, it doesn't matter. You can navigate the stormy seas when you're you've got sort of peace at the helm of the ship, yeah, shall we say. Yeah. So I think that happiness has definitely changed for me 
you know and and happy for it's kind of a mixture of happiness and mindfulness so it's got both both of those in there people want to feel happy but at the end of the day we want to feel peaceful we want to feel mindful we want to be in the present mm. you know i heard you talking about the present moment with um both lucy and i was listening to your uh one with Alicia Keys that was that was lovely to listen mm, to she was amazing ah oh, she was so cool and just listening to you know you talk about and her talk about being in the present taking it a day at a time taking it a minute at a time you know the more we can learn to do that I think the more peace we feel which is difficult because in the modern world my god everything's so mm. bloody quick and everyone's in a rush everyone wants the next thing and everyone yeah. wants something from you I mean I feel pulled in all directions at some points you know um of the day really you know it's it's non-stop and I wonder if through the work you've done through the people that you speak to and the people you work Mm. with if you can see clear definitions of you know what the main problems in the modern world are relating to mental health Mm. I can only speak from my own experience and I think that it is taking time out to pause and reflect on actually what you're doing what do you want from your life because if we're only here once and that might end tomorrow or in 60 years time what am I doing here does my day light me up you know does does what I'm doing in my job make me feel content happy you know sometimes people don't have that choice they have to do their job they have to earn their money you know there's a different there's a different element there but if you have choice you have choice in what you're doing with your day and you can say no to things. One of the questions I ask myself most regularly is, what am I saying yes to that I want to say no to? And what am I saying no to that I want to say yes to? Mm. And if, if you can get that balance of where you're saying yes and no to the right things and actually living life in accordance with how you feel about it and not what you think you should do because someone else's expectations, then you're sorted. And I guess that all comes <laughs> down to fear, doesn't it? Because when we're saying... Mm yes to things we mean no to and no things we mean yes to that's all fear because if you're saying no I don't want to do that it's probably because you're terrified that if you do it will go wrong and if you're saying yes to things you mean no to it's because you're too terrified to probably upset somebody so that's just looking at fear and how much fear is around us and that at the moment is a lot we all know that so we probably we probably are experiencing that more now than ever yeah. The core of it, I think, is when you can come into yourself and listen and trust yourself. Mm. So if you if you trust yourself, you love yourself and you listen to yourself and actually the people, the voices and the noise that you hear around you can become less. And what you what you take comes from inside rather than outside, then that's when you get to live your best life. That's mm. that's, that's that's my own personal experience. Mm. And that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think once you root into that intuition you're just doing what what you want to do and what's right for you and you stop comparing yourself to other people and you know trying to match up to the standards that society set for us etc it's just about what you want to do and I guess you know you and your sister must feel that to some extent considering what you've achieved Mm -hmm. with your business and now Happiful magazine you know you've you've had to do it your way and and yeah and follow your gut otherwise you'd be making bad decisions left right and center yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have definitely. a sort of sisterly manifesto of like how you work together and you know do you talk more to each other now about your mental health? Now you've kind of based a business on it. Yeah. Is that does that um actually, you know, become part of of what you do <laughs> together with with your work? 
Yeah, so I think that with Emma, um, because we've both had our own counselling journeys, we both got quite deep into ourselves. I'd say lots of our conversations are based around, you know, what you would call mental health, but we just call it kind of inner work, inner exploration, you know, the deeper subjects of life. Um, she's the person that I have most of those conversations with. Mm. Um, you know, you can't have those conversations with everyone. And she's always wanted to have those conversations. She's always been there, but it took me a while to sort of catch up and go through my own journey in order to do that. So yeah, we still talk, we still have, um, you know, work meetings, but our whole business has shifted as well, because as we change and we grow and we, we want to do more, you know, that's, yes, the business is wonderful. And we've, what we've created is, is fantastic, but you know, what can we do with it now where we are that will help other people to find the journey that we have found you know to, to to take that even further what else can we do um, we're kind of at that point and that's mm. what a lot of our discussions sort of revolve around it's exciting it's so exciting yeah <clears throat> and your yeah. I think are your kids the same age as mine I think are they yeah seven so, and um, five? yeah seven and five yeah so, yeah. I got, so I've got a four <laughs> nearly five-year-old and a seven-year-old how yeah. yeah this is something that I think about a lot and um and worry I'm not getting right you know it's such a minefield sort of you know, thinking about your own kids and, and yeah. how they're going to grow up in this world and how you're going to support them, etc. Yeah. Do you talk about mental health or, you know, how, how do you sort of deal with emotions and, and talk oh, yeah. around that with your children? There's a lot of emotion in my house. Oh, God, same here. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, so I think the thing is, is allowing the emotion. Yeah. Uh, so my children are very emotional and some of they are, they are better at it than I am. So they've, been in touch with their emotions from day one and I guess I work quite hard to not suppress those yeah so it's I'm so I I think it was mentioned that I'm training to be a counsellor and I think that during my training I have learned more of how to hold space for them so when those big emotions of anger and just distress come up and you know it sort of grinds at you and you really yeah is taking a breath and you know having that awareness that's been learned to actually say it's okay it's actually nothing to do with me you know you just need to get that out and I'll just sit here until you're done mm. so that has been quite a learning process god and, it's hard you know, isn't it it's so hard you don't want really them to is. feel upset or pain about something that they don't need to no, but like you say no. you have to oh you know I'm getting better at that one and I'll often it's my son yeah. who goes into these whirlwinds of emotion and often yeah. he'll have a huge flip out and then I'll just walk away and he'll just pass out on the sofa and go to sleep for an hour. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, that's worked out really well. I mean, it doesn't always work out that well, but sometimes it's, you just, you just, they just need to get it out of them, don't they? Just yes. express. I yeah. mean, we all do, but we get socially conditioned for as adults to sort of not to try and take have a tantrum, away. essentially, which I think yeah. we all want to do quite a lot. So, yeah. so you're training to be a counsellor at the moment. What, yeah. what was the sort of decision-making around that? I mean, obviously you know oh, that... Yeah it works and it's brilliant it's lovely yeah. but it is a lot for you uh, as a person to, to like you just say to hold space for yes. multiple other people you know what what made you want to go down that road okay so after my so that second period of counseling that I spoke about that six months where I felt like I you know very much changed as a person I didn't really make the decision some this course kind of fell into my lap and when I saw it I had this overwhelming feeling of I want to do that mm. and, and I followed it and I just applied there on the day and thought you know that 
speaks to me. And if I can give another person an ounce of what my counsellor gave to me, then I know that that feeling is the feeling I want to feel for the rest of my life. Mm, wow. That's yeah. so cool. I love it when that happens, when you're not necessarily planning something. Yeah. And then something falls in your lap and you're like, I'd be yeah. crazy to not <laughs> do this right now. So how much training have you got left? I've got one year left. Yes, yeah, so wow. I've done two years. I've just finished my second year. And um, it's been eye-opening. It's been so great, uh, you know, for the relationship with my children, especially. I would say I have learned so much about how to handle emotions not just mine because I learned more about mine in my own counseling but I would say the training has really showed me how to be able to practice holding space not only for people that I'm working with I'm working with people online at the moment but also people in my in my life you know how to sit and not let their not become attached to their emotions so that's the thing I found the hardest with my children was when they were getting upset it would really affect me but I think being able to take that step back and, and know that this is just a space that needs to be held. They need to do whatever they need to do. And then it's theirs. It's their responsibility. Mm. I'm just here to guide them as a parent. So, but they are very capable. It's so difficult, isn't it? Because even with other relatives, whether it be your parents, your siblings, you know, whoever it is that you're really, really close to, and it is mm. people that you feel, you know, completely entwined within life where their emotions seem to generate feelings within you and it's yeah if you know if it's someone you work with or a you know a friend but not a close person you can kind of go oh well they're a bit angry or upset or whatever but when it's someone that you love so dearly Mm. it's so hard to not bring your own shit to the table because you'll and also we take it so personally you know we pile it all on ourselves it's my fault it's all me and it's so rarely the case one of the um one of the people that i've followed in the books that i love is um her name is dr shafali i can never say her surname Dr. Shafali Sabri, um, but she wrote The Conscious Parent. And what she speaks about is how your children are there to bring up these emotions and these triggers inside of you so that you can work mm. on them. God, that's so <laughs> they true. They bring them to the surface. And it's like, you know, we get, we get so ugh, frustrated with them for doing it. But actually, you know, they're doing us quite a favor they're showing us all the things that are in there that Mm. need to be worked on they're triggering us constantly and I think that it does give you a lot to work with patience Patience is the lesson that I'm certainly not learning because that is the one I still find so hard like oh my god I need to just be patient it's it's absolutely bonkers (laughs) but yeah I think that's a really good thing to sort of think about is just allowing other people to feel how they feel. And I wonder if to do so, that requires you really having to accept your own emotions first. Like I think once you maybe nail it with yourself, then it's much easier without other people. Definitely. Mm, That's what I've got to do first then. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not quite there with that one. (laughs) There's so many things I find myself so frustrated about that I'm with my emotions and how I'm feeling and my reactions to things. I think, you know, perhaps that acceptance is a very good place to start to then make all other relationships easier. Self-acceptance is the key to life, in my opinion. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's not an easy one, but we can all try. <laughs> and we can all try and we find can. the tools to do so. Because I think it's, it's so important and, it, and it's so, so valuable. Yeah. And what you and Emma do is 
so wonderful sort of offering these services you know to anyone if you've got a laptop or a phone that you can use to to google it the information's there the the specialists are there and and like you say yeah we've got an app now that's got got it all in one place you can just download and like you say you know (laughs) if somebody listening to this is perhaps looking for a nutritionist a counselor a hypnotherapist Mm. whatever it might be would you say the key thing in find the right person is is looking for that gut feeling of that's the person for me. Yeah, yeah, I think it is really, it is a feeling. So when you see something, you know, yes, we, we use our brains and we analyze and we can compare, but I think that there is a feeling. For me, it was a feeling, you know, and if you don't get that feeling, then just look at, you know, what, just look at all the information and think, what are you most attracted to? What do you feel is going to be right for you where you are in your life at the moment and I guess also not worrying if the first person that you end up working with isn't right you know exactly. it's not like you have to stick with that person to no. you know give them a, a nice time you know that's no. it and they're not going to be offended it's about you finding the person that's the right match for you and that might take a few goes definitely it may do and most counsellors will call you before their first session so you can almost get an idea oh, nice. when you speak to them on the phone so it, you know if it doesn't feel right then you just email them and say I'm sorry it's not right but definitely I think that you do have to kind of you have to be honest with yourself if it doesn't feel right if you don't feel that connection with that with that person from quite an early stage then it may just be best to you know be kind send an email and try someone else Mm, definitely I think that's really good advice and um and thank you so much for everything. Thanks so much for talking today, but thank you for being part of the festival and the podcast. It's it's so lovely to work with you guys. I love what you're doing and it's exciting to, to watch where, where you guys go next. Oh, thank you, Eva. Yeah, we're really enjoying working with you too. And I'm going to go to your pledge wall in a minute and put something put on there. Put your pledge I'm on. to do it all week. Your, I you shall. know what? I don't know if I've put mine up there yet. Maybe I have. Put your pledge up. Check out the classes. I did a little meditation yeah. last night. It's, it looks amazing. Yeah, there's some really it nice stuff. It looks beautiful as well. You've got a really good website. We're really so happy lovely. with it. We're really happy with yeah. it. And there's, you know, there's so much to explore. And it's so nice for me because I'm not going to watch the talks I've done with people because that would be, <laughs> you know, bizarre for me to watch myself. But for the classes that I wasn't there for, you know, there's some gong baths and meditations it's so exciting for me to watch them I know that other people are doing them at the same time it's really freaky and amazing so yeah the amazing thing is you can do everything can't you whereas at a normal festival you kind of have to choose the things that you really want to go to whereas this one you can actually do everything give it a go give it a go thank you so much look enjoy (laughs) the rest of your day I hope the rest of this strange year goes well for you guys and I'm sure it'll inspire you know, many more ideas because there are many more people out there experiencing anxiety, depression, OCD, etc. So keep doing yeah. your very vital work. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. It's been lovely, lovely speaking Thank you, Amy. So lovely to talk to Amy today. Remember, you can discover this amazing thing she's built with the Happiful team. Just head to happiful.com slash happy place or download the free Happiful app on Google Play or through the Apple Store right now. There's a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Next week, it's the last in the current series, but it's a good one. So stay subscribed to get that as soon as it drops. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, every way, basically. Thanks again to Amy, to the producer of this episode, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. And look, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, See you soon at the Happy Place Virtual Festival and right here next week. Bye-bye. Love ya.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.